Windsor, Windsor. Ascot, Ascot. Maidenhead, Maidenhead. Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome back to, uh, this is uh, another week with me, Jenny Tishi. Let's do lunch on River.radio. And today I am joined by Tom Waller, and we're going to be talking about how to capture that perfect food photo. I say that with a sense of irony because I am probably the least perfect at this art, (laughs) this skill, Um, but Tom is not. Now, um, I want to dig into uh, your background a little bit, Tom, if that's okay. Of course. Um, And first of all, just find out a little bit about why you chose food photography. Uh, Well, first off, I guess it's not a particularly exciting reason, just because uh, in the world of photography, becoming niche is is really important trying to not be a generalist um but to move into something where you become more of an expert at it because there's so many different fields of photography um that to to, to really specialize and get really really good at something makes it easier because the skills you need to be a portrait photographer is different or a landscape photographer is different to what you need to be to be a food photographer or an animal photographer or whatever it might be so it was really that was always the plan from the beginning was to to, to specialize and who doesn't love food right (laughs) everyone's got to eat haven't they and I should say actually by way of introduction uh Tom you actually run uh food envy photography correct and um that's based in Berkshire and Tom really does specialize not just in food photography but we'll talk about other areas as well but he also creates videography and mini documentaries uh, social media content recipe content and really your typical client well do you want to describe who you work with most typically because I think that's particularly interesting and we'll also cover that today in today's um, uh, show. Yeah, so I mean, most of my clients are for, sort of small independent restaurants, uh, independent businesses, that sort of side. So um, the sort of the sort of business that really needs to tell their story in a professional way, because technology is amazing nowadays. So you can do an awful lot with your phone, uh, video and stills. Uh, but I think to really cut above the noise of what it takes because you know everyone's got an instagram account everything like that you really need to tell a story and i think that's where a, a professional can really help you to tell that story with with imagery to create content that as i said cuts through the noise and can really make a, a difference to the businesses so it's those sorts of businesses you know from michelin starred restaurants to um you know food products whatever it might be um mm-hmm. but everything's food related basically so that that kind of side yeah so it is all about telling the story, but yeah. also making sure that that brand comes across as truly authentic exactly. and that those on the receiving end can really engage. I mean, whilst yeah. many of us would eat out at a restaurant or um, enjoy a food product, it's, it's about understanding a little bit more about where that's come from. I think so. I mean, the key word I think you just said there is authenticity, because I think people are, are smart enough now with imagery because we're so bombarded with it, can tell when it's, it's fake or when it's not real. And again, that might be portraiture, it might be skin retouching or whatever but also with food i mean 
you know, the big, the big brands, you know, the McDonald's or whatever. I mean, I, I don't think most people like that because they know it's been styled and, you know, a lot of it isn't very real and, you know, it's been photoshopped and all that kind of stuff. And, and what I do with my clients is really, you know, what you see is what you will get when you, when you go there, whether it's mission style or whether it's, you know, your local high street or something like that. It's, it's authenticity and people, people I think can really see through it if you've done too much. You know, it's about being subtle with it because, of course, I use those techniques. Of course, I do. Um, yeah. But uh, it's got to be more, it's got to be more subtle because I think it's, it's an educated viewer out there now, mm-hmm. and people know what real is. And I think, they do. like you say, almost there's so many things we can do at home with a phone or mm. with a limited amount of technology yeah. ourselves that people are so used to seeing extreme real yeah. i mean i uh, created uh, a reel <laughs> r-e-e-l uh, yesterday morning and it was in the dark and i mm. had the lights from the sort of you know the underside of my kitchen cupboards it was the worst possible <laughs> thing but i kind of thought well do you know what i probably will post that because that's real yeah i am doing this live yeah. first thing in the morning i'm yeah. making an immune boosting soup mm. you know from chicken bones and all yeah. sorts so but that's you what know, your audience probably really likes yeah. is that authenticity and it makes it attainable and doable I yeah. think which is great and that's that's what I think appeals to certain people and to yeah. your audience definitely yeah you know for a mission star chef to do that probably not so much no way you know because they <laughs> they have to have that going with their their um whatever their brand is effectively yeah. And, yeah. and that brand personality as well as I think is really cap- important to capture in the story as well so yeah. people can relate to you I think. Absolutely. So um, you've told us why food photography, you mm. wanted to specialise in one particular area mm. and, you know, photography you loved, but you had skills that perhaps lent themselves to food photography. Um, but what got you into that mm. in the first place? Because I know uh, you and I have worked together and, yes. and we first met when we were put in uh, contact by a third party. Mm. And the way that you were described to me is exactly that, that this person has these absolutely amazing skills that but you at that stage were transferring from one career to another that's right yeah so I mean I, I've been professional for seven years now nearly eight um, and I was in corporate world before that um, and uh, it was I mean it's the corporate world is, is fine it's great but I mean there was you know I was a small small cog in a big machine and it was and it's been brilliant I mean what I like almost more than doing something that I like to I do photography is being my own boss that's just absolutely yeah. brilliant but food in itself just came from I I started to realize in a because it was in a service service based job that um, it was nice to produce something at the end of the day so I really got into teaching myself to cook and realized even when I was living by myself Mm -hmm. that it's really nice to come home make something and have something really really nice so that started the food and then I thought I wanted to push this a little bit more in terms of what I could produce found cameras so again I've not really been into photography a huge amount of time probably a decade slightly more Um, and so those two areas just kind of Merged quite nicely, Merged, I think. So yeah. it was really nice to be able to, because I don't, I don't have a massively artistic bone in my body. I can't draw, I can't paint, can't you do anything. You say that, but clearly you do. <laughs> I think I have an eye. I think an I have eye. an eye. Um, I constantly have this argument with my mum, whether I'm an artist or a, or a, or a, um, a um, what's the word, a craft. Yeah. I see, for me, it's more of a craft. Um, but I think I have a decent eye and I think I can tell a story. And I think that's what is really useful, effectively. But um, yeah, so I've always had a passion for food. And as soon as I started to like to, to cook you know I understood a little bit more um and then yeah as I started to find my niche food just was a was a was a was an exciting one and there weren't that many food photography wasn't as advanced as it is now if you see what I mean so it was quite a good stage to get into a, a genre of photography that wasn't really that old I mean if you look at a cookbook from 10-15 years ago 
pictures are secondary if there are any in there at all. So you know? true. Whereas, you know, landscape photography has been around forever. Portrait photography has been around forever. You know, it's, it's, it's not as dynamic or as new or has changed as much. I mean, it's obviously styles and all that kind of changes. But I think as a, as a genre of food, of food photography, it really is relatively new. Do you know, you're absolutely spot on with that. And um, I think back to when my husband and I first got married, which was uh, nearly 20 years ago now, um, we were gifted a recipe book that had pictures in it. And I would say that was quite a revelation. And mm-hmm. although they did exist, they weren't quite like, you know, these days they're so stylistically kind of presented mm. almost I would say with some cookery books that they're, they're too beautiful to use you know you need to have them out so that people know that you could afford that cookery <laughs> book you know it's yeah, not absolutely. really so much but it but it is really interesting isn't it how it's how it's really moved on yeah. so um obviously you love your food Tom I do and I love talking about food and I'm <laughs> sure those people listening given that it is let's do lunch and yeah. it is around lunchtime um do tell us your food backstory where you know childhood memories Mm. connections to foods well unfortunately Jenny I think this is where it might disappoint you because I was a really picky eater as a child love that (laughs) terribly (laughs) terribly picky and I look back with with embarrassment uh to be honest with you to quite because I'm now a parent of a five-year-old who is amazing with food who is absolutely amazing with food um quite how bad I was and being you know my parents you know when we were lucky enough to, to to go out to restaurants which obviously isn't as frequently as we do now um, and we would just be a nightmare. And both my brother and I would be an absolute nightmare with what we would eat and what we wouldn't eat and kicking up a fuss. And um, yeah, I'm a little bit ashamed to say it, to be honest with you. So uh, it, it obviously has changed. <laughs> it has obviously changed now. But certainly in my, in my younger years and probably early teens, um, yeah, it's rather embarrassing, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm just interested by that, actually. So just so as a slight aside, yes. um, obviously you have a, a child of your own now. Yes. So you know that... I mean, you probably feel that some of your child's peers can be really picky. What would you say is the difference between... Well, I think we're very lucky because my wife and I are both Mm. self-employed. So we're both at home a fair amount. So we eat eat with him uh, all the time, effectively. I mean, to give you an example, he had chicken lab last night. Nice for a uh, five-year-old. I know it's <laughs> it's amazing. His favourite breakfast is it's so middle class is uh, scrambled egg and smoked salmon. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> but he will give everything a go. If he doesn't like it, that's fine. But he he tries it and he generally generally likes stuff. So, so it's, exposure. I think so. And then just because he doesn't get any other choice, yeah, it's kind of what absolutely. he gets is what because we're eating the same meal effectively, mm-hmm. and we might tone it down slightly for for him. But um, generally, we're all eating the same thing. So we're very very lucky that we can. We can do that, to be honest, because I know for most, and if I was back in my old corporate days, there's no way we would be doing that. So it might be a different story. So I think that's very fortunate. So back to your childhood, would mm. your food have been described, your food choices been described as beige? Yes. <laughs> would they be yes. previously frozen? Uh, quite possibly, yes. Okay. So I mean, back, you know, because it's obviously a while ago and there weren't as many options of beige foods, I don't think. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly would have been, certainly would have been simple, simple, basic tasteless cardboardy type things i hope my mum's not listening because she'll probably be very embarrassed but um <laughs> sorry mum sorry mum <laughs> so talking a little bit now about i mean you know two ends of the spectrum mm. you've gone from your uh, possibly beige previously frozen yes. to now working with the likes of um you know michelin star yeah. chefs multiple award winning mm. chefs whose food would be perhaps Versus your childhood sort of palette, quite fussy. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about you know some of the challenges you face when it comes to so things like food styling. Yeah. Well, food, food styling is one of those things that again I didn't realise how hard it was or how how good food stylists are until you work with them. Mm. 
Um, I've also done portraiture in my, in my life and I didn't realise quite how useful it is to have a professional makeup artists. And it's kind of a similar sort of thing, to be honest with you, because when you're on a, you know, you've got a client shoot and you've got to keep budgets down and stuff like that, it's quite easy to squeeze out and to not pay for that sort of stuff, depending on, on what budgets are. And having worked with some stylists, it's just incredible how, how complicated it is, you know, the, the eye for detail, the eye for colour, the eye for texture, how to, you know, arrange things on the plate and off the plate, so on the table and all that kind of stuff to tell the story that you're wanting to do. It sounds ridiculously easy, but it's incredibly hard. It yeah. really is. Yeah, you know? I, I get that. And yeah. I mean, I've, I've had to learn by doing and by just looking at cooking books and on, on the internet and stuff. And you can, you, can, you can learn it to a degree, but I think, you know, if you've got that eye for that sort of thing, I'm sure it's the same with makeup artists and all that, or hairdressers and all that kind of stuff, that it's, it's a talent. It really is. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things that, um, you know, chefs are obviously pretty good at that. If they're at a certain level, they kind of know how to, how to dress a plate, maybe not necessarily for the camera. And mm. that's where, you know, most of the jobs I do, unfortunately, there isn't necessarily budget for stylists and stuff. They have been, but not, not all the time. So it's very much a collaborative a collaborative thing and we might get into this later but it's all about how much effort you put in before you even get to the day to take a picture to work out what your story is what your colors are what how you want to have your food portrayed and all that kind of stuff should be done in advance you don't really want to be doing that on on the day because if you then need to try and source props or linens or you know older cutlery because you're doing a more traditional farmhousey kind of shoot that's a bit of a nightmare to be honest with you so all of that again Unless you've thought about it in advance, it ruins the it ruins it ruins the shoot, and you don't get your return on investment and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's important to it's important to think. It was key to think about, to be honest with you. you and know? what about issues like light? You know, I've had the pleasure of working mm. with um, some Michelin style chefs mm. and other chefs, and they tend to work quite often, particularly mm. if they're in a beautiful old restaurant yep. in the basement. Yep. You know where the kitchen traditionally would have been. Yeah. No windows. No. So <laughs> tell me about some of the challenges you face when it comes to light and lighting. Yeah. I mean, I know that's something that's probably changed in the mm. last seven, eight years. Yeah, I mean, technology is amazing. What you can do now as a, as a one-man band, which I effectively am. And, and, you know, when I go into London or travel on the train to go up somewhere, then it's, it's effectively what I can carry on my back and, and another bag. And you can, you, can, you can pack away lights now. I mean, it's amazing what you can... You know, I can get two lights in a bag, camera, lenses, and all that kind of stuff, and know that if I turn up to a restaurant exactly as you've described with with no natural light, you know, uh, terrible um, tungsten bulbs or whatever it might be, that I can shoot and have it look completely natural, completely daylight. And that again, that's that's through experience and having you know plan it in advance. And it's 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 one of the skills of the job, to be honest with you. You know, yeah. to have that consistency in what you can produce when you're on site and you don't necessarily know what you're walking into yeah absolutely. to know that you can do that yeah. and that's and that's uh you know as i said that comes from 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 years of practice and knowing what i need on my back in my bag to be able to rock up and and the do tools it tools for the job the what the about job. people if they're listening in and they are at the stage where they want to take mm. their own photography at home mm. what would you advise when it comes to lighting get a window big window <laughs> massive window if you can have a north facing window the better because you don't really want any any direct sunlight coming in cloudy day perfect uh, or north facing so the sun never comes in directly potentially unless again that's the style that you're going for um just keep it nice and soft uh, the other thing i have to say is essential if you're just starting off with some sort of tripod even if you're doing it on a camera phone uh, yeah. because any sort of camera shake any kind of camera wobble and, it, and you know when it comes to daylight you don't have any control over how powerful or how soft that is so you might need to have a, a slower 
exposure on there so you know i'm sure you can do that on camera phones nowadays is to have the shutter open for like a second something yeah. like that and that can introduce camera shake so if you put on a tripod set a timer for it take your picture and that will make all the difference and it costs you nothing okay, that's the beautiful so thing daylight is free daylight is free but obviously as we move into the darker months mm. it's in shorter supply than it normally is indeed um okay so back to the food styling what has been your least favorite food to work with <laughs> Anything cold, really. Things like ice creams and things that degrade really fast. I mean, everything degrades fairly quickly, even if you're doing steak or something with a sauce. Yeah. You have to be ready as soon as that plate comes from the kitchen to the table and know where it's going to go, how you're going to style it or anything like that, because sauces split. Um, mm. Meat, um, I can't think of the technical word, but it, you know, all the juices release and go all over the plate and it doesn't necessarily look very photogenic. And anything like that, if you then have to sort out in post-production, are you photoshopping or anything like that, just adds more time and complexity. And some things you can do and some things you can't save. Okay. You know, if you sprinkle herbs on too early, they go wet and they don't look very fresh. All that kind of stuff. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of conversations I've had that just blow my mind about where to put parsley or how to how to spread you know uh sauces or, or something like that you can spend hours discussing these things it's, it's kind of ridiculous but at the same time it makes that difference <laughs> and out of interest do you spend hours discussing these things are you on Can forums do. do you work with colleagues <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's it's one of those things i mean there's 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 techniques to these things you know mm. there's there's cheats there's hacks yeah. You know, it's like the one of ice cream. Most ice creams that you might see on billboards, you know, that high-end stuff by Wolves or whoever, that's probably not ice cream. It's mashed potato a lot of the time. You know, it's it's something that isn't how it seems because, you know, when you're there all day and you've got hot lights, ice cream just disappears. It melts. You know? Uh, so I, know it's, I know that, yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's, a real, it's a real, real tricky one. Things like drink glasses, they're mm. quite hard doing drinks. It's pretty hard, you know, because, again, you've got to deal with condensation and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's... You know, it's all these little things you don't think about until you necessarily have to try and do it. It makes you realise how hard some of these things can do. And with glasses, you've got reflections uh, to deal with and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it, can, it can be really, really tough, especially when you're going to the real high end of, you know, like those big brands. You know, you're talking five, six light setups and, you know, compos- composites of different photos and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really tricky, really, really tricky. I suppose that with um, videography as mm. well, you know, you... I mean, you're not always going to be doing it live, but, yeah. you know, once you've made, you've gone to all the effort of mm. making the dish, mm. to your point, if you happen to put the herbs on <laughs> slightly too early, yes. you've got to go and make it all again. Sometimes you only get one go, you know, wow. and then you've just got to style it out. <laughs> so on the basis that we are now understanding what your least favourite yes. foods to work with, what would you most like to, or what do you most like to work with food-wise? Oh, I mean, it's just, it's just anything with colour and texture, because mm-hmm. that just immediately works. And, you know, some things are quite hard, like things like curries, because they're just quite, even though they're amazing to eat, they just don't visually look that appetising sometimes. Mm. You know, so, you know, again, fresh herbs. I think we've done this before, and we've yeah. done some some dishes before, and just a little sprinkle of herbs or a little slice of chilli or a bit of oil or, you know, adding a little bit of um, cream to ripple through the, the curry or something like that can just, just elevate it. Yeah. It really can do. But then it's also what you put the plate around and, you know, the knives and forks and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's, And it's the same with videography, well, more so with videography, that it's about, it's about that storytelling. And with video, you really, you have no place to hide with story. You really don't. You have to know what you're going to do because you can't just rock up and do it. Yeah, you know, because you've got to have it all storyboarded before you actually You really get do, yeah. I mean, if you have the time and the effort to do that, then it will, it will help you so much on the day. You know, um, I would say with, with, with video, you are spoon-feeding people uh, mm. a narrative, whereas with, with, with stills, it's kind of left to interpretation because it's just one image. There's no, there's no audio. There's no story. Mm. You can visually see it on the, on, on the image, but, you know, when you're talking video of 
two, three, four minutes, whatever it is, you know, you have to have a start, a middle and an end. You have to have, you know, some reason why they're going to keep watching it and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's a lot harder to do video than it is stills technically and also you know that that front end side that's so so important that's actually something else that's changed in your mm. business isn't yes. it you started out in photography and moved into yeah. videography tell yeah. us a little bit about why that was well again it's one of those wonderful things about the technology to be honest with you because the the cameras now do both so well you know it's not like and the prices have come down hugely to make it again a thing that a one-man band can do with with audio, which is the most important thing about any video, surprisingly, it's not about the, the imagery at all. It's about how well you can hear somebody and what that story is. So yeah. that's a huge new thing to learn as, as we're seeing in this podcast studio now yeah. with massive microphones and switching decks and all that kind of stuff. You, you can't really do it's that. It's all you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Don't press the wrong button. Yeah, <laughs> I'm learning too. <laughs> yes. So it's uh, videography, is, it's been brilliant to be honest with you because again, one of the great things about running my own business, I can choose what I learn and how much time I spend to do it. So I spent an inordinate out time on youtube because i'm all self-taught um, learning these things and you can do and it's and it's yeah. brilliant but all the gear that i haven't had to really invest in any new gear particularly because I've, I've got it all which is which is great and it's just it's just it's one of those things that you can add more more value to as a content creator because it's harder for somebody to do that just on their phone yeah yep. stills with a little bit of knowledge you can do but there's no hiding from the amount of work it takes to do video even if you can do it all yourself because you've got to do the story you've got to go and do it and then you've got to edit it as well yeah it's so the amount of important. planning that goes in yeah. on, in advance and i say that's the same for people that are producing their own stuff at home whether yeah. they're doing it for their own businesses or mm. it is about storyboarding and if they want to work with someone like yourself yeah. they've got to be aware that the planning process is really where exactly. the crux of the work is the yes. shoot on the day is mm. the smallest part of the work it is and the editor afterwards is yeah. the you know where the, where the crux of the work is absolutely well. yeah. yeah i mean because clients tend to only see that day you know uh, mm. it's with stills as well but it's not quite such a time consuming thing so getting clients involved at all stages for me is, is invaluable because then they can see the effort and they'll see the difference in the result i think at the end yeah. well they'll definitely see the the result will be different um from that collaboration and getting them involved i'll also get a better piece of content i think brilliant so yeah. it's kind of yeah. win-win it's just getting people to spend that time on it yeah, you know, budget is one thing, but it's also then getting the time, especially if it's a relatively small restaurant or relatively small um, food business or whatever it might be. You know, they've got other things to do. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to outsource need... it, but I can't necessarily tell their story without yes. them spending that time to tell me what it is, so I can then make that story for them. If you see what I mean, so that's, you have to understand it, their personality, don't exactly. you? Their business's personality, personal brand, personal brand is really important, especially in business like that, because mm. people buy into that. You know, they buy. And why into go food. there? Exactly. Yeah. Because they've, they've seen, they understand the story, the passion, you know, the provenance of the fact that they get up at five in the morning to go to the farm to go and find that perfect vegetable or, you know, whatever it might be, fruit or, or whatever it might be, to justify the price of where you're going to necessarily. Yeah. I think people love that. They love story. And yeah. it's not just about images. It's telling that, that narrative that can really set a business apart, I think. Well, let's, uh, let's take a little break and then we will come back and talk a little bit about some of the um, clients that you've worked with. Obviously, you don't have to name them necessarily <laughs> unless you'd like to and you're more than happy and more than happy if you want to. This to give a flavour of some almost like case studies of what mm. you do and how you do it and also some of the challenges that we faced not just before this pandemic but during and now where we are. So let's um, have a little bit of a delve and uh, see where we get to after that. you found 
Oh, thank you for that, Adele. And thank you also, Adele, for making me feel like I'm not as old as I am. She's one of the few artists that seems to have spanned the generations such <laughs> that my daughter is uh, equally into her music as I am, which is wonderful. Um, so welcome back to uh, this podcast. So this is me, Jenny Tishi. Let's do lunch. I'm a nutritionist, but today I am going to be discussing food photography. Um, food photography and videography and all the things that go with that, including making documentaries, including social media content, all of these things are really relevant. And we have Tom Waller here in the studio with us and from Food Envy Photography, and he specialises in this area. Also, you do you do, do other work, don't you? Yeah, I, I, have, I have two brands, basically. So Food Envy Photography and I have Pure Headshots. So I'm a headshot photographer as well. So and basically, we, I photograph yeah, things that don't move. That. <laughs> yeah, we're going to come back to that because Tom's got a fascinating project that he's working on um, called the Roaring 20 Project. So I think I'd like to discuss that. But um, we did say we would talk about your um, some of your customers, some of your clients mm. that you've worked with over the years. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've moved from photography into videography and you've really really move with the times mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as things like storytelling is concerned and as far as people's demands for social media content is concerned as well so if you could tell us a little bit about some of your um, clients yeah. and perhaps even the journey you've been on with them because it has changed hasn't it oh absolutely yeah I think I think you hit the nail on the head the the the, the desire for social media content now is just insatiable it, it really is to put, putting up new fresh relevant um, interesting content it's it's hard especially if you're not your main business you know you're trying to run a restaurant <laughs> especially after the last 18 months and especially with all the other problems that hospitality are now facing like staff shortages and petrol because people can't come to see you and all that kind of stuff so it's moving from one problem to another so I think social media sometimes albeit they can just snap a picture of food if you're trying to do something more coherent you kind of need I think that help effectively and if you want higher production values you definitely need that help yes so so yeah i mean a good a good example would be and probably the guy i do the most amount of work with is a guy called paul foster who's got a mission starred restaurant up in stratford upon avon called salt amazing restaurant if you're out there yeah so good he's amazing he's he's a he's a real entrepreneur as well i mean he he does his own podcast um he uh crowdfunded his current restaurant so he's kind of understands social media and and how to do all that sort of stuff and just before uh, the pandemic hit, he just opened up a cookery school just above his restaurant. Gosh, sort of. timing. I know. And then three weeks after the opening day, I had to close it immediately. So again, that kind of entrepreneur brain is like, what else can I do? I don't want to necessarily shut completely because he also did all the food boxes that I know a lot of other chefs and stuff did, not necessarily to make much money, but just to keep staff going and, and things happening. But to use the cookery school specifically, he wanted to create recipe content so he could take the cookery school online. And that's where... Uh, myself and actually a friend of mine who works in food TV got involved because some jobs you just can't do by yourself as a one-man man. You need a second camera. You might need a third camera. That requires a second person at a bare minimum. Um, so we got involved with Paul and we've done maybe now like 40, 50 videos, something like that from really complicated stuff. Well, not, not I mean, still stuff a home cook could do, not necessarily, you know, mission stars, terrified to even but try. But impressive sort of, stuff. But impressive, <laughs> but also the absolute basics to from knife skills to how to cook an egg, you know, that kind of more basic introductory stuff, but how, you know, professional chefs do it effectively, mostly with butter. (laughs) Virtually every recipe, I mean, his fried egg was just kind of mind-blowing because he's frying it in in a vat of butter almost and then just basting it on top. Amazing, absolutely amazing. And I've picked up so many tips as well through through doing this, which has been brilliant. I I do his scrambled eggs now, I do his roast potatoes now. His roast potatoes are amazing. Are they in butter too? (laughs) No, they're not actually in butter. That's all in beef fat and stuff. But um, just the technique of, of doing it 
is amazing. Um, and I think, you know, taking it online, he put it behind a paywall, so it's a subscription service. And I think it's turned out really well. And we're, we're, we're constantly going back up every few months to create more content and all that kind of stuff to, again, feed the beast. Yeah. Um, and it's been brilliant. I think it's been pretty successful for him. Um, as I said, he's doing podcasts and all that kind of stuff now. So, again, he's really kind of moving with the times. As you said, for me, he certainly is. You know, in, Keeping in, in, you on your toes by the time. Keeping me it. on my toes, which is always good, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's often on TV. You know, you, you might know the name. Um, but yeah, he's he's very creative in what he does, and he gives everything a go. I think, which is really important. He hasn't just Love stood that. still uh, with his restaurant and hoped it would all come back. You know, they've really changed, really adapted, and I think that's what successful restaurants will do. I think, you know, if you didn't have a particularly su- successful business model before the pandemic, you're going to struggle afterwards, or you would have had to have changed massively. I think. Whereas Paul has has absolutely been on his toes and and uh, you know moving and adapting and. You know, I'm sure some things done haven't worked, but some things have, and that's what you then move forward. And he certainly streamlined his restaurant and how he how he operates and all that kind of stuff. I was, yeah, I was going to say, in all of that description, mm. you've actually given me a really good idea of kind of who he is as a person. Mm. And to your point, at the very top of this, we, we talked about people's personality. Well, not just their personality, yeah. but their, their business's personality mm. and really representing that truly and authentically through yeah. the work that you do. Yeah. And so it sounds like you can do that with him. Mm. I've seen um, you've also worked with someone we've done a sort of a last week we were talking about the field to fork journey. Yep. And you've worked with a chef where you've actually gone out into the yeah. field haven't you and yeah. looked at that journey and again that's something that really makes people stand out yeah. so when you look at the provenance of food yeah that's right I mean I think I think the guy we both know Nick Gaylor who's mm. at the middle of Mansfield in Goring because I think you've done some speaking things with him, yes you? yes I've worked alongside him at food shows and, and yeah so Nick Nick and I we've done a fair amount of stuff together and yeah that was a, a field to fork and just seeing the care and attention that Nick puts into everything that he does from from the sourcing to bring it back to the restaurant to plating to to how it's cooked and all that kind of stuff and he you know, he's, he's an amazingly creative, creative guy. I think he was certainly with Heston in, I think it was either the Heinz Head or the Fat Duck. I can't quite remember exactly what, where he's come from, but he's an intelli- incredibly talented chef and he's taken on his own restaurant now. They call it a, a modern inn, effectively. So you okay. can sleep there, you can eat there and all that kind of stuff. It's fabulous if you ever, ever get a chance to go. Um, and yeah, he's just always opened up to ideas about how to promote their restaurant, how to do it differently and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think, uh, I think if you are that kind of prepared to give things a go and to move away from how things have traditionally always been done, I'm sure that's in most industries nowadays because everything moves so fast that um, hopefully it'll stand you in good stead. And, you, you know, you don't worry about the failures. I try not to worry about my failures and just move on to stuff that, that works, you know, because if you got bogged down in failure all the time, you'd just probably stop, I think, you know. So it's Never a truer word spoken. Got to keep moving. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. But it also shows me and, and probably our listeners that the effort that people put into that kind of unique identity mm. but is still true to themselves yeah. is really important but your job mm. is really about that that's getting that story across yes be it through visual content be it through you know the mm. so use of visual content via social media channels videography yeah. photography and i think you yeah. do a wonderful job okay so um in august this year um dolores custer passed away now did you know who dolores custer was before i, was I a, raised this with you i was a little bit embarrassed <laughs> about this no i i'd never heard of her unfortunately okay so she was was one of the most renowned food stylists so she kind of got into food styling quite early by mm. comparison to most people's sort of knowledge of it and in fact she took the route of photography first and then ultimately um food styling so famously she once removed all the hairs on a raspberry in order to garnish a white it was a goblet of white chocolate mousse um, and also i read this about her that she knew how to arrange rice such that no two grains were parallel wow 
And, you know, when you think about wow. that, it does give us some idea of the lengths that people will go to just to mm. get that perfect shot. Yeah. So can you give our listeners some idea of the time it takes to shoot mm. a delicious food video or the perfect yeah. food photo? I think, I think in my experience, those days are gone because there's a return on investment between how long you spend doing something and how much you actually then create. Because, yeah, absolutely, you could spend hours doing things. And, and we have done, you know, it just depends on how much imagery you're trying to get through in a certain session you know if you've got three plates to do in a day then you can absolutely go into the minutiae and make sure that every little micro piece of lettuce is facing the camera and and dripping with a little bit of dew or or whatever you can absolutely do that if you've planned for it obviously Um, but most of the time there's a balance I think there's a there's a balance to be struck between taking that care and attention and then also how much you can create from that because again unless you've got mega budgets of the huge brands and things mm-hmm. like that most don't so they need to see enough imagery or enough video to come back from spending a day two days three days with me yeah that you then get you know a five minute video a three minute video a one minute video you get all your stills you get your thumbnails you get maybe a bit of graphic design as well something like that all from from that pot of budget that you have so it's it's i certainly don't see those sorts of levels of of I don't want to say care and attention because you always try and take as much care and attention you can, but you know, taking taking the hairs off the raspberry and all that kind of stuff is is not stuff to the level that we necessarily go to. I think because it would just you just wouldn't get enough on the on the on the return side of of imagery and stuff, you know. So but perhaps that also reflects how things have moved on. People's yeah. expectations. I mean, my point earlier on when I was saying about my very amateur uh, video that I sort of made almost in the semi dark. It's mm. not quality it's not Mm. um professionally shot um people have a slightly different expectation you know my very very low end of real Mm. um but also when you are even representing you know a michelin star chef or or a very high level chef you still want that sense of well i could actually see what that looks like and and taste it without thinking hold on why is that strawberry bald you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that sort of reflects where we are now i think it it does i think it does again it comes down to that education people are so much more educated now about food about imagery and all that kind of stuff and they they would probably notice yeah (laughs) it's like why why have you done that (laughs) but also you mentioned there about the sort of footage that you're giving people at the end Mm. of the day this is we we are as consumers Mm. of this content we're in a very different place aren't we i mean as far as you're concerned what are some of the challenges um when it comes to the type of content that people demand from you i I know for example we've spoken about oh i only want a two-minute video but Mm. hold on it's Mm. actually harder to create a two-minute video than a 10-minute video it absolutely is do you want to explain to people why yeah, I mean, I mean, we've, we've discussed doing recipe videos in the past. And a recipe video is a great example of that because, you know, if you've got something that takes two hours, you don't want to see that for two hours. You don't want to see 15 minutes of chopping particularly. You want to see somebody chop something fairly quickly so it's all within the, the correct narrative. But we still, as a video crew, have to sit through that and, and film it. You can't actually speed up that mass. I mean, you, to be fair, you can do. You can have it all pre, pre-done, but then you still have to show a degree of it. So it's, it's how you, again, it's balance, how you, how you balance a piece of content that's interesting enough, informative enough, looks good, all that kind of stuff. And that, again, takes the planning and, and, and the thought. So, mm. yeah, actually shortening things down, especially with story, and a recipe effectively is a story. Yeah. You know, you've got your start, your middle, and your end, then you've got the final product, is, is quite tricky. Where do you cut? How do you cut? How do you still make it interesting enough that somebody is going to... Because some of Paul's videos, even though we edit them highly, you're still looking at 15 minutes of video sometimes to get through this, you know, seeing him chop what he needs to do, make a sauce, hand make pasta, shape out the pasta, cook the pasta, plate the pasta. 
that takes quite a long time. Somebody's got to invest that 15 minutes, let's say, into actually seeing it. And the visuals have got to be good enough. They've got to be able to hear it, got to be able to see it, all that kind of stuff. And then we shoot stills for him afterwards as well. So there's, there's a lot to be done in a, in a short space of time. But again, once you do a lot of it, you can, you can make it as, as efficient as possible. Um, okay. To again, to try and get, it's all about trying to get a return on investment for the client of yeah. high quality, enough return to make it interesting that they want to come back and do more. And hopefully they will see that in their social media figures or whatever, because that's a benchmark. You know the stuff that's popular; they want to do more of. Yeah, of course. So it's like yeah, yeah. actually quite a way, good way to quantify it. Whereas in the past, before social media, maybe you wouldn't necessarily yeah, get is, that. Is it hitting people? Do they like it? We exactly. don't know, but exactly. now we do. We literally have a like button, a love button, you the do. <laughs> come back to me more button. Yeah, exactly. that's wonderful. Um, brilliant. Right. Well, um, let's just uh, take one moment just to pause. Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley. Henley. Reading. Reading. Okay. The voice. River Radio. Of the Thames Valley. Okay, so welcome back. We are here with me, Jenny Tishi, nutritionist, and this is Let's Do Lunch. We are here at about lunchtime with a food photographer, appropriately. This is the show all about food and nutrition. And Tom Waller from Food Envy is here to tell us about capturing the perfect photo. And actually, one of the things that we probably should talk about is how do we capture that? So we've talked about some of the challenges, i.e. things like light. We've talked about some of the things that you probably shouldn't work with. People normally say children and animals but we've also discovered its sources mm. which may split and meat which may have <laughs> juices that run yes. um, we've talked about some of the things that do work as mm. well but are there any top tips that you could give our listeners who are trying to get a good food photo whether it's to just share with mm. their family or whether it's something that they're taking a little bit more seriously yeah. and they want to present part of their product range to their mm. audience well the, the type of food you're photographing usually dictates how you photograph it a lot of times so for a pizza you don't want to photograph from the side because you don't see much people, you shoot it from the top. Um, burgers, you, the opposite, you shoot from the side. You want to see the height of the, the burger, the patty and, and the meat and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of determines a lot of things. If you're doing it with a camera phone, as I said, put it by a window. Uh, think about what you're putting it on. So a nice wooden table or, you know, you want to think about some linen, something like that. And if you're shooting with a camera phone, try and shoot from above. Um, camera phones are great for uh, wider shots um, but as soon as you come down to the, to the side you can get distortion and things like that it can be a, a little bit more awkward to do so top down by a window if you can get a tripod and that will straight away elevate it and then edit it yeah. you know because on phones and stuff you've got you've got free software now that you can edit things and you know even remove things if you need to but certainly Find a free editor, they're all over the place. Or even use your camera app. I'm sure there's some editing in there to brighten it, darken it. You can boost colours, saturate it a little bit more. Try and make it look real, um, but just take that extra care before you post something just to edit. Don't do it straight out of camera because you can always make something look a little bit better. Okay, brilliant. I love all of those. Mm. In fact, I've just learned some things there. You know, you were saying that you learned from Paul Foster about how to do the best scrambled egg and yes. the best roast potatoes. I've mm. just learned a little bit about food photography, yeah. which I shall now be putting in, <laughs> into play. Now, if anybody thinks that suddenly my food photography is going to get better, if it does, it's because I'm working with Tom, just so we know. Okay, um, so in the past 18 months, the number of new uh, photography businesses has grown by a staggering 44%. So have you noticed a lot more competition around? No, and is that, this in the food industry or not? But that's, that statistic kind of scared me, to be honest with you. I, I've <laughs> not come across that statistic either. But um, I don't know, it's one, it's one of those things. It's like when camera phones became a thing and everyone said to me, well, why do people need you now? You know, why, why? And, and that didn't change, to be honest with you. So I don't have any issue at all with, with more people coming into the market, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been doing it long enough that hopefully I've kind of established enough that it's, 
that it's okay. And I've not seen any issues with it at the moment. I've not seen huge amounts of people coming in. I mean, I guess it's different to, you know, having a social media and saying you're a food photographer and actually professionally being one. And that is because professional is just a, a determinant of you get that's where your income comes from, not how good you are. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, I, I guess it depends how people are classifying themselves and if it is actually their business or they're just doing it as a bit of a side hustle or something like that, all of which is, is absolutely fine. Because again, it's not, it's, my job is not necessarily about the gear that I have or the, the technique. It's about, it's a service. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, I'm providing a service for my clients. I know what they need they, and I know how to service that effectively. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's more than just the pictures I take, the videos I take. It's that whole whole package and bringing ideas to them telling the story explaining to them everything we've just been through about why we need to spend more time doing this and this this and this yeah um so it's, it's that side of it that somebody new might not necessarily know they haven't been in it long enough to make mistakes is what you're saying well that too yeah because i've made <laughs> plenty of those so it's 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 one of those things so i mean it's yeah the the technology is there and it is less of a barrier to entry now and it's getting less and less because i know i know that there are Food photographers that literally just use iPhones and they do everything on their phone and, and that's their their shtick. That's their that's their USP almost, you know. And that yep. again is fine. That's not what I'm doing. And again, it's about being niche and and finding what that niche is. And even if you have to drill down to a niche within food photography, people do that. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you might be a graphical food photographer. You might only do you know street food or, or yeah. whatever it might or be cakes i've seen or people specialize absolutely in. and these things yeah. have their own skill set that i mm. wouldn't necessarily know yeah you know i give it a go <laughs> but i find that fascinating as someone that you know sort of i feel like i have to produce my own social mm. media content as my sort of shop window to what i do but yeah. i do look some people are, are so obviously one thing you mm. know or they so obviously have one style mm. here i'm thinking of um someone i know quite well and and i mean her style is beautiful but it's all the same style so yeah. you know as a brand it's almost like what you're going to fit in with this photographer's style i mm. guess from your perspective yeah. and knowing having worked with you yeah. that is not the way that you do it you adapt to the i think so the client's requirements right? yeah I, th- I think so i mean if i had a really strong style and i was maybe this comes down to the more the art versus craft of yeah. what i do you know if people were coming to me because they'd seen my portfolio and it's very very distinctive I think people get this in wedding photography. You know, you can have a real strong style for wedding photography and people will come to you and seek you out, whereas most wedding photographers kind of just do a candid on the day. That's that style of photography. Again, nothing wrong with that. But the big bucks is probably when you're being sought out for your particular style, I I would think. And I see what I do in my food photography, more of a craft, as in, yes, I, I will adapt to what they want. I'll make suggestions. I will collaborate. I'll be creative with them but they're not coming to me for my style as such. I think they're coming to me for my service and, as I said, getting a good balance of return investment and and, and all that side of it. And understanding so, their business. But there are definitely food photographers out there that have a style yeah. and people and big brands will seek them out and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. You know, that's really good. So we're talking about the number of people that have entered this market and they've entered it for obvious reasons mm. during the pandemic. I think it gave a lot of people um, the opportunity. And even mm. we were kind of saying at the beginning where you sort of, if you reflect on your life and you think, I've been given this set of skills, how do I best use them mm. in my life to for my own joy, but also potentially to help others? Um, there's been so many more people moving into this industry as a food photographer mm. or at least photographer. But how about how the industry has been affected now mm. most of your clients are food drink hospitality it's been one of the hardest hit of all the industries mm. as a result of the pandemic as a result of the lockdowns mm. and now you've also on top of that mentioned obviously things like the fuel shortage and food shortages mm. um 
so from your perspective, I mean, I know you've been quite uh, involved in, a, in a, well, quite involved. This is your project mm. <laughs> in, a, in trying to capture mm. uh, the mood amongst people with the hospitality yeah. industry. So your project is the Roaring 20 yeah. project. Um, do tell us a bit more about that because I've actually shared this with quite a lot of people. I find it absolutely fascinating what you're doing here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a project that came out of, of lockdown. The first two lockdowns actually weren't too too bad for me because people still needed to, to create and nobody knew what was happening. So it's not like business just stopped. The third lockdown, however, was different because I think vaccine was on the horizon and therefore they knew that so, there was some certainty coming. So things just stopped. So, you know, just for my own sanity and to stay creative and to stay, you know, motivated, I came up with this product called the Roaring Twenties. And it's a play on words for, um, you know, the Roaring Twenties, which hopefully going to be a bounce for hospitality and and the whole country, um, like the 1920s after the Spanish flu, that there would be this there would be this bounce. So I thought this is a project that I can find 20 people within the industry. And I thought roaring because I thought they'd all be quite angry. <laughs> to be honest. You only wanted 20 originally. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I was, the, the idea was to get one final image with 20 different people within the industry. And it was never going to be just chefs, uh, never just high-end chefs. I wanted a whole sort of sphere of the industry, spectrum of the industry from, you know, um, chefs down to um, front of a house to pot washers to you know people that make the food to you know uh, all that all that kind of stuff food producers that that sort of stuff to get a snapshot of the industry and have that just into the into the one image effectively and um yeah so i decided to just go out speak to my network see who's see who's around um who would be up for this and so many people have have come on board and wanted to get their images done because they're quite stylized so when i talked about not necessarily photoshopping stuff there's quite a lot of photoshop that's gone in this not to make them look different but to put a style and a, and a feeling into the image because um, if you see the, the original image and the final image, they're very different. Oh, really? Yeah, I, they are. I, I love um, one of the food producers. So mm. she's producing fruit and vegetables, is that correct? Yeah, so she was an organic farmer. She was an organic farmer. Brilliant look, half sort of shaved head uh, over the side. Looked amazing. And yeah, she's got some rainbow chard. So I just, love that, just across her lap. That's right. Just and you've also popular. got a beekeeper. Yeah, that and made my day. you kept the did. beekeeper in her outfit, which <laughs> yeah. is absolutely right, so you know exactly what she does. Exactly. Who else did you manage to photograph oh, for so this project? Oh, so I got project? fishermen, uh, I got bakers. I got all sorts, to be honest with you. you know, and is it still going? It's still going. So I basically give myself to the end of the year, so I give myself a year's project. So I'm over 20 now. I've got I've got 30 plus. I'm going into Mayfair in a week or two to go and do a, uh, another chef and a sommelier. Um, which would be really nice. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a really interesting, really interesting project. But what was interesting, as I said, I called it roaring because I thought it's going to be quite angry. angry. And I think if I'd have done it in the first lockdown, I would have got a very different set of images to doing it in the third lockdown because I think people were more resilient to it now. The anger had gone, and they just wanted to get on with it and to do something. So it was, it, for me, it's now been more about resilience and strength yeah. as opposed to anger. That probably, you know, it's like the stages of grief, isn't it? You go through this different stage of, of it, you know, acceptance and just, let's get on, let's have some certainty is is more what I see in the images now. It's just like, let's get on with it sort of thing. So Yeah, we're, we're, we're trained to do this job. We just want to do this job. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and from that project, what have you learned that can affect your business going forward? Um, I, I guess just to be creative, to be honest with you, because everyone has had to do different different things to to survive. That's and what you did. That's exactly what yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't changed it fundamentally because of lockdown, because I think certain trends like video were always coming along. Lockdown didn't start that. Lockdown might have accelerated it slightly. So it's not made a huge difference. I think 
made a difference in the industry that more people realize they need more more content they need it faster they need all this sorts of stuff uh, and because they're doing different things now they need different types of content so you know it's it fundamentally hasn't changed it's just sped sped the changes up i think you know okay. in 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 my industry anyway i'm gonna give you some quick fire questions now oh goodness okay what would be your death row meal death row meal <laughs> Oh my goodness, something with prawns. Big, probably just big prawns done on a barbecue. I love those. You love them? Oh so, my goodness me, yeah. Even in the winter? Absolutely, anytime. Okay. <laughs> anytime. Um, who has been your biggest inspiration in what you do? Um, oh my goodness. Biggest inspiration in what I do? Um, or anyway, do you know what I mean? It doesn't even have to be within your industry. It could be aside from that. Uh, oh goodness, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's weird, I don't know. It's, it's odd being a photographer. I don't know many other photographers. I don't, I've never had like a, a mentor. I've always kind of just been sort of self-taught. So I've kind of done it, yeah, <laughs> kind I know of done it mean. my way, if you yeah. know what I mean. And hence, made lots of errors <laughs> and maybe would have done things differently. But I can't, I can't genuinely think. And I didn't, I didn't study this either. So it's, I, I don't know who the greats are. It's like when you mentioned about the, the food size. I kind of got no idea because I don't know the history of it necessarily. I don't know, I don't know these things. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, actually, Jenny. Okay, I, I can't that's think. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> what would be your predictions for the food industry, knowing what you know, having mm. done the project, the Roaring Twenty, and still doing that project, yeah. um, having worked in this industry for the last seven years, mm. uh, you know, and you developing alongside photography, videography, storytelling, etc. Mm. What would be your predictions for the food industry going forward? I think it's good, to be honest with you. I, th- I think I think it is very positive. I think it would have been, you know, uh, take out all the current issues, the fuel and the staffing issues, I think we would have been seeing a, a second bounce, to be honest with you. I think the Roaring Twenties probably would have happened. I think it's just been slowed down again by these current current issues. But I think everyone that I've spoken to who've come out the other side know that they've got a strong business. Yeah. And unfortunately, they've had to take on more debt and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think they're very positive for the future. And it's just about getting that playing field back that was before and 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 exploiting the changes that they made to their business to streamline to make them better to focus in on where they really are strong and i think the knock-on effect for me is they need to then communicate that yeah they need to communicate yeah. to to their their audience to their target market about how they've changed what they're doing now why it's different why it's better all that kind of stuff and and i don't see any reason once this other new little bumps have <laughs> hopefully ironed themselves out a little bit that that shouldn't still happen to be honest with you because these these issues aren't like covid they're not like they should be solvable i would hope so um and in the short term so i i i think the future is generally very bright i think certain certainly maybe it's just the people i i got to photograph and and, and spoke to but yeah it just seems to be you know it's just let's get on with it we just want to get moving and i think that's 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 positive i love that and and in terms of your favorite restaurant where would you like to eat most where have you eaten that's been the best restaurant and where would you like to eat most yeah that's a great one that's a really good one one of my one of my favourite restaurants in the area is Cadaisy's in Bray. Yeah, which is which is a wonderful restaurant. I'm writing this down. <laughs> I do know it, but I need to be reminded. I like it so much that I had my wedding reception there. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, we absolutely adored it. We we took over the entire restaurant and 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 did it that way, which was great. Um, other other great restaurants. I mean, oh, goodness me. I mean, I've eaten one of the, one of the pluses about my job is obviously I do get to eat quite well, and I do get to eat a lot of the food that we we shoot. I get to eat it cold. But I always think that <laughs> it if, it's good, good. if it's good when it's cold, just it's got to be good restaurant, right? So, yeah. so that always kind of, that kind of always works. So, um, yeah, I, I do eat very well, but certainly, uh, yeah, Cal Daisy's in Bray is, is great. Um, 
Paul Foster's restaurant is amazing. You know, salt, yeah, salt, yeah, is absolutely fantastic. So uh, there's just so much choice nowadays. To be honest, I, I, when we had our original original conversation about you know what I was like when I was younger and stuff, it's just it's a different landscape now. There are yeah. so many more choices. The the range of food is so much greater. The styles of food, food from all over the world, different countries, and all that kind of stuff. Like. Said my my son had chicken lab last night. I mean, you yeah. know, you have fajitas tomorrow. Who have you know? Would your grandparents have known what chicken lab was? Well, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and we're more educated about food. We can do it at home. You know, you can find out how to make it through recipe videos. <laughs> so, Tom, what are you working on at the moment? We've had a, a great discussion about what you have worked on and how that's changed. Your business has changed through the pandemic. Yeah. What are you working on right now? So I've got a few projects in the way. I'm, I'm finishing the Roaring Twenty off, as I said. So that's that's coming to an end now. And then it's 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 more video projects. To be honest, it's more video projects I'm getting involved in in now. I think you know more people do seem to want to have that style of content. I think because it's harder for them to do, as I said earlier. And maybe people took the time over the pandemic, like lots of us, to learn new skills. And photography does seem to be taking a little bit of a, a back seat at the moment, but. I've adapted now as well, my business. So that's actually working quite nicely for me. I, I, I get a little bit of uh, photography. I get more on the other side of my business, so the headshots, portraiture side, mm-hmm. um, because that's not going to change necessarily for actors and, and business people. You still need to have a, a, a physical a physical picture for those a lot, a lot of the time. But I think food's now moving, for me, more into the, the video content side, I think. And does that reflect in terms of your own social media? No, my own social media is awful, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's very it's ridiculous. And it's honestly. Because, it, again, it's, it's my own business and I, I have to do everything. It's always at the end of my list of things to do on a Friday or on a, or the end of a day. And um, it's ridiculous because I've got content. I, just, I, just find it, I find the whole process just... I need to find somebody to do it for me, I think. Okay. Uh, maybe there's someone out there. Well, you never know. Um, <laughs> would you like to share where people can find oh, out more about you? Um, absolutely. Even if Tom thinks it's not great, I think it's fantastic. Oh, and I do highly recommend you check out the Roaring 20 Project as well. But but, but go on, Tom, share where we can find out more about you. Okay, great. So my, my website is uh, photography. It's one of those flash new endings, so no .co.uk or anything. Uh, Instagram is uh, Food Envy Photo. And if you do want to have a look at the Roaring Twenties, it's just at the Roaring Twenty on Instagram. See, there's definitely content out there. And there's more, apparently, to give. (laughs) Um, It's been wonderful to have you as my guest today. And thank you very much for coming in. I've learned so much more. I've got a whole page of notes here, very selfishly, about things that I'm going to do differently. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you are keen to find out more, um, or if you want to know anything else about this and who else I'm going to be having on, I'll be sharing that via my social media at lunchbox doctor you can email me jenny at river.radio or if you want to download this show or any previous shows i've only done one other um, then go to anywhere that you normally download your podcast spotify apple wherever and search on let's do lunch on river radio thanks for listening take care bye bye lunch lunch will keep us together there's no meal that's better Make me some food Cause I wanna eat soon Just stop Cause I'm really hungry Stop I can hear my tummy Look in the fridge And let lunch Keep us together Mm -hmm. Hot dogs Mac and cheese French fries and ketchup I'll drown Still chowing it down I will, I will, I will, I will Bite down and chew forever Lunch with
Let lunch keep us together.